Hello, and welcome to Canada Reads American Style. This is Shauna. And I'm Rebecca. And we have a special guest with us today. Uh, on our Instagram page, our Canada Reads American Style, I've been chatting with people. And one of the people I've been chatting with is Sarah from Nova Scotia. And I said to her, gee, how would you like to be on our podcast? Because we're always looking for alternative voices. And she agreed. So uh, we want to welcome you, Sarah, to our podcast. Thank you so much for inviting me. Well, we hope that you're going to have uh, some fun with us today. And I know that you have some varying opinions from ours, which we're excited to hear. And so why don't we start with you telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So yeah, like you said, I'm from the East Coast of Canada, from Nova Scotia. And I'm from an island called Cape Breton Island. I live rurally right now. I Tell us a little bit about, I know that you have a lot of really interesting hobbies. Yeah, so I'm a mom and right now I'm spending my time at home with my two boys. I have a son who's four and another little guy who's 10 months old. And so I'm on maternity leave right now and with everything going on, I'm not sure what will be happening in the near future. So I'm spending my time enjoying my boys and my husband and trying to balance out the other hobbies I like to do other than just reading. I like to do a lot of crafting and I think my biggest interest right now is doing needlework and focusing on some historical reproduction um, needlework samplers and that's my Instagram focuses on as you guys you guys know and uh, other than that it's just a lot of paper crafting and video games. And I, one of the things I want to mention, because uh, Sarah and I talked this weekend, and she has a YouTube channel with her needlework. And I watched some of the episodes, and they were really, really interesting. So we will put a link on our podcast to Sarah's YouTube channel. Someday, Sean and I have talked about having a YouTube channel, but I don't know. It looks like a lot of work. <laughs> so anyway, we'll go ahead and get started then with asking you, Sarah, what books have you read in the Canada Reads for the Five Contenders? And which one would you like to start talking about first? Sure. So I've only completed two of them so far. I finished Son of a Trickster and we have always been here. I'm currently uh, partway through Radicalized. I've just started the second novella in Radicalized. And I'm I think I may be 100 pages, maybe less, into small game hunting. Uh, that one I can only read in small chunks because I, I don't really have the time, you know, the span of time I find needed to really sit down with that book and absorb it. So that's going to be a slower go for me. Yeah, and especially being from Eastern Canada, we're really going to be interested to hear your opinion when you finish that one. I think that one will be really interesting to talk about. So of the two you've read so far, what do you want to say about one or both of those? Well, I feel what I have the most to say about is We Have Always Been Here, even though I enjoyed Son of a Trickster more. That one is almost easier for me to absorb, I think, in the sense that I just, I really loved it. I didn't have any kind of conflicting feelings about it. It was just, it was straightforward for me to read and, you know, just consume that book with we have always been here i that this one this one actually probed a lot of a lot of thought for me so i read through it and had 
some initial thoughts. And then the more I let it sit and kind of percolate in my brain, those thoughts evolved. And then listening to various commentary, you know, it, it, it evolved again. So I'm having trouble myself figuring out how I actually feel about that book because of because of the way that evolved for me. You know, Sarah, that I felt the same exact way about that book in regards to when I read it, I I was thinking, I'm like, okay, this is fine. And then when Rebecca and I were went back through to talk about it, it brought back so much more commentary or viewpoints to really draw out other aspects of the story. And it was like, all right, I still, it still didn't rate very high for me, but it still brought out a lot of thinking power, you know? Absolutely. And when I think of a book as art, which I do, the whole idea of uh, being able to generate discussion and evolving opinions really makes something almost rank higher for me in a personal preference scale. Whereas when I first read it, it, it honestly, I probably would have ranked it last. But the more that I hear conversation, and I just appreciate how, how much conversation the book is actually generating among people, it kind of bumps it up for me. So Sarah, tell me, what have you been hearing? What other uh, comments have you heard? And what were you thinking about it? If you can talk a little bit about that. Sure. So I guess I, in order to um, discuss it, I'll just, I'll just start with my thoughts about ranking the books and how I'm struggling with that a little bit because it kind of it kind of ties in. So I'm kind of twofold where I'm thinking about my ranking as far as what I'm personally enjoying and I guess what I would consider to be a good read. And that ranking for me differs from the theme and how I feel the books rank to fit the theme. And I have to I have to remember that when I'm thinking of the Canada Reads books, it's not just about what is the better book or what is, you know, the more accomplished piece of work. It's actually, you know, how does it how does it fit into the theme for the year? And I find that's what's actually giving me a lot of extra thoughts and a lot of a lot of struggle with the books this year. So with with We Have Always Been Here, there's a lot of you know, positive conversation about it being told from a perspective of a marginalized voice that we don't often get to get to read, especially here in Canada. So from the perspective of a, a queer Muslim immigrant, and that's something, you know, I really appreciate as a, a voice in modern, you know, contemporary literature right now, you know, to read a book by a, you know, a person of color, especially a woman of color right now is, I don't know if it's rare, but it's it's not in the forefront of Canadian literature necessarily. So I think that's really important. And that's a lot of what I'm hearing. And, you know, with Eden, Eden Robinson's book, I appreciate, you know, that it's a female voice and a voice from a First Nations perspective. But it's, you know, it's something that you do see year to year on Canada Reads. And I think it's important. And it's, you know, it's wonderful. But with Samra Habib's book, it's, I think it's, it's a fresh perspective. Now, I, I want you, because you kind of said something that was intriguing to me a little bit, which is, are you thinking in terms of, because here's what I'm hearing you say, there's a difference between ranking these five books based on maybe how you personally enjoy them. And then there's the ranking of how they really fit the theme, which is this year's theme, as we know, is one book to bring Canada into focus. So are you struggling kind of 
ranking them based on those two criteria? Is that kind of what you're thinking? Yeah, and, and yes, and when I when I think about the theme as well, I'm I'm trying to figure out, you know, how do I interpret that theme? Because where Canada is such a a large country with really wide variety of cultural experiences, I'm trying to figure out myself what does that theme mean to me? And then which which book or which order of books best, you know, represents what I think should be bringing Canada into focus, either is it on a world stage? Is it, you know, is it focusing on how best do we relate to ourselves? I think it's it's just really, it's broad, which, you know, has its pros and cons, but then trying to figure out, you know, what does that theme mean to me? It's, it's a struggle this year, honestly. Well, you know, it's funny because somebody had made the comment about what the, because on one of our Instagram posts, we talked about what something about the theme and people asked what the themes, what the past themes were. And what's interesting is a lot of the past themes I felt were kind of ambiguous where, you know, I can't remember offhand uh, exactly what they are, but we'll probably, Shauna, we could post that uh, in this uh, for the podcast as well. But the themes were all sort of very similar, very kind of loosey-goosey a little bit, whereas I felt like this year's theme about bringing Canada into focus was more specific, and yet here you you're saying you are struggling with that one kind of as a theme. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah, and I I you know I, and I agree with what you're saying about the themes in the past in the Facebook group, the Canada Reads Facebook group. I had commented on one of the posts that I found the past themes were very similar, very almost vague, uh, too open to your own interpretation. And I didn't find that that was helpful to the readers and maybe almost a cop out and where I wanted something a little more specific and a little more, I guess, focused. And this year, I do, I agree as well. I do find it a little better, but it's still the theme itself. It's still, I think you could, you could look at it from different perspectives and based on how you look at it, it changes the way you would rank the books. So now tell us, what did you think of the book? Tell us what you thought of We Have Always Been Here in terms of not necessarily the theme, but just the book itself. Sure. So I guess I'll, I'll let you know I have my, my thoughts, you know, evolved in this book. So I read through the book and about partway through, maybe let's say halfway, I was disappointed because I found it. I'm going to use the word easy. I don't think it's the right word to explain my thoughts on it, but I found it was almost too easy of a read or maybe it wasn't it wasn't developed enough as far as the mechanics of literature or I, and I don't even know that sounds so highbrow, but I'm trying to I, I don't even know how to express how I feel about it, but I just feel it wasn't the language wasn't as rich in the other books. It was almost it wasn't where I thought the Canada Reads book should be you know, as far as readability, I thought it should have been a little richer. But interestingly enough, around, right around that point, the author made a comment in the book saying about how if you want people to understand your point of view and like appreciate what you have to say, you have to speak to them at a a more common level and not at a, you know, like a university level teaching a course, because that's not accessible to the majority of the population necessarily, or the people that you're trying to reach. 
And, and I don't even remember offhand what she exactly was referring to when she made that sort of comment, but it stuck with me and I, and I switch flipped immediately. And I thought, no, she's right. It doesn't have to be, you know, as maybe as complicated as I wanted it to be, or it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be like a richer prose to be valuable. And from that point on, I kind of changed the way I looked at the book when I was reading it. And that's not something I'd heard anyone talk about up to this point. I've heard people say that they wanted more from it from a language perspective or, you know, from a sense of of how accomplished the writing was. That I've, I have heard people say they wanted more from it. But I think I think it accomplishes its goals as far as wanting to be accessible to people to help form opinions. You know, I think the two books I'm thinking of that I agree that yeah, it doesn't need to be really high level literature in order for people to, for it to be in the competition or for people to really enjoy it. Yeah. And the two I'm thinking of are like from last year, Holmes, because Holmes was written at a level that was pretty basic, but I felt the emotion of it. And that was my big issue with, uh, we have always been here is that the, for me, it lacked emotion. And then the same thing with Jesse Thistle's book from the ashes, which you haven't read yet. But he even talked about it. I've heard him. I've, I listened to a lot of interviews with him and he's actually said this a couple of times, which is that he has a lot stronger opinions about things, but he needed that book to be accessible to people. He kind of said it like that. Right. So I think there's a way to tell an emotional story in an emotional way that can connect with people. And for me, we have always been here. I feel like she does have there is there has to be a lot of emotion connected to her 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 childhood her young adulthood her adulthood all of those things with the family with the dynamics of her faith and her queerness and 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 being a refugee or an immigrant and everything but what gets me is i, I never once felt emotional about reading the book and i wanted to i wanted to be there with her and when they talk about you know, this is a voice we need to hear. I 100% agree. But for me, her voice wasn't enough. I didn't get enough feeling of her struggle. It's like she told us about her struggle, but I didn't feel her struggle. So that was my issue with the book. Yeah, and that's so I, I did listen to your your episode, your podcast episode, just I think it was yesterday on that book. And I thought it was a really good analysis of the book. And it got me thinking a lot. And while I was reading it, I felt that way as well. I really wanted more from it. I wanted to know more about her experiences. I wanted to know more depth about her travels and her her life before she came to Canada. And then I wanted to know more about you know her personal feelings and inner thoughts when she was here. And I found that I was definitely wanting more, not necessarily like a sequel or a second book. I wanted more from this one. So I, I wanted to talk to you guys briefly about something that during your, your episode on We Have Always Been Here, I remember you mentioned about uh, you had thoughts about the starkness of her discussion on her feelings and her experiences and how there didn't seem to be a depth of emotion. And I definitely agree with that. And I gave it some thought and now being a 
white woman from Canada. You know, I don't have the same experiences as she has, obviously. So I can't speak, you know, for a marginalized group. And I, you know, I want to put that out there so I don't misrepresent myself or anybody else. But I'm wondering if that might be partially due to maybe the way she was brought up or how her culture when she was a child maybe influenced the way she was able to communicate feelings or depth of feeling on an issue. Do you know anything about that? That's actually, that is a really good point. And I hadn't, I don't, and I, I'll be honest with you, I can't remember exactly what we said now in, in the whole, uh, through the whole podcast, but I do think what's interesting is absolutely culturally, we don't know, you know, that aspect of her life or her culture, you know, especially as you said, a white woman, a white woman, American, I kind of agree. And maybe that's part of it. Maybe they don't, maybe the reason we didn't get more detail about like the conversation she had with her mother and her father when she came out to them. Maybe that's just not something from a cultural standpoint that they're going to discuss in great detail. Although it was kind of funny that her mother did say, you know, what kind of sex do you have? So I thought, well, I, I don't know, maybe they're not quite so, you know, reticent to talk about it. I don't know. Or unless her mother had just kind of adopted maybe more um, North American culture by asking that, I don't know. But I mean, that's definitely, it could have been more a privacy thing for her, which is why she didn't sort of plumb the depths of emotion or more detail in her book. I mean, that's a possibility. Shauna, what do you think? Well, I am a huge fan of culture. In fact, I, when I went to college, I joined the international club and that's where I met all of my Muslim friends. Those are the only people I know who are Muslim and they, they were the ones that told me a lot about that culture. So when I was reading through the book, I was looking for those tidbits of information from my friends about the praying and, and doing it in a certain rug and doing it towards a certain direction and so on and so forth. And I'm, I'm looking and looking and looking for some cultural references in this book. And I just never found as many as I wanted. Um, the only things I can remember was like the smell of the the hair oil that they used and the type of there was one type of type of like turmeric i think for their cooking and maybe it was something else but i was just kind of like okay i i really want more to understand why you're having why you're communicating or why are you behaving or or why are you feeling these ways because we all know that culture is a huge component to the roundness of us as people. Well, you know, it just made me realize um, I actually have my niece is um, Muslim. My, my nephew who married her, uh, he uh, adopted Islam and they're raising their son in that faith. And what's interesting, when she came here to Michigan, she would wear a hijab. And then after a certain number of years, she stopped wearing it because it wasn't safe unfortunately, in Michigan, once President Trump, as soon as he got elected, it wasn't really safe to be who you are in, in, in certainly in Michigan anyway. And I remember her telling me that, and I said, you know, I think you should just wear it. It's your faith. It's, it's what your belief is. You should, you know, you should honor that. And she said, well, I don't feel safe. And I said, okay, well then, you know, then don't. And she told me how 
she had a conversation with her father and he said, yeah, you have to be safe, do what you have to do. So she had to change her practice living here. And so I also know from talking to her that her mother died when she was young and she didn't necessarily have a female influence in her life and have have all of, you know, sex and marriage and childbearing and all that stuff have that in her life. And so she's she kind of grew up in a culture, she grew up in Malaysia and nobody talked about it there. So again, Sarah, you're making a really good point, which is it could be that we don't get that detail, that level of detail, because it just isn't something that was, you know, that was done as she was growing up. Maybe that's part of why we don't get that level. I don't know. Yeah, and that's why I wonder if in this book, what's not said actually speaks volumes in a sense. Because it's, you know, there is privilege in being able to speak your feelings and even know your feelings. And I wonder, I wonder, you know, where she was with her feelings at that time. Yeah, that's, that's really an excellent point and very well said. You're right. I mean, we have the ability to speak our truth and maybe she never felt she had that. And certainly, I mean, she didn't in the sense that it took her a long time to come out to her parents and then even to to re-embrace her faith, which was very important to her. But she struggled with trying to find that. So, yeah, that's a really good point. So, yeah, thank you for that. Thank you. Uh, is there anything else you want to say about that? Or can we I do want to just at least get a few words about uh, Son of a Trickster, because Shauna was a big fan of that book. I was kind of in the middle of the road with it. What did you think? <laughs> I haven't listened to your commentary on that one yet. So I'm I'm kind of interested to know your thoughts on it too. I guess on high level, I really loved the book. I pretty pretty much couldn't put it down. I absorbed it really quickly and I just I I thought really highly of it. I wanted more of the supernatural element um, that just really interested me and appealed to me. I loved the rest of the story. I thought the character development was fantastic. I really wanted to to delve into more of the supernatural stuff, which didn't really happen until with the last third of the book. You didn't see too, too much of it. But I know that there's, you know, it's a trilogy. So maybe that pops up more in book two. And I really, I'm really interested to pick that up. Yeah, it's funny because for me, it, it, on paper, that book should have been my favorite book. Because I, when I read what it was about, I thought, oh my gosh, this is totally my book. Even though I'm not a big fan of magic realism, I just thought this was going to be my book. And I struggled with it. It took me a while to get into it. And of course, I love the main character, Jared. He's an incredibly compelling character. And I loved him. But for me, the book just felt kind of felt kind of flat, and I'm not necessarily interested in reading the sequel. In fact, I own it, and I gave it to Sean and said, "Here, you read it, and you let me know if you like it." But uh, it's for some bizarre reason, which I can't quite put my finger on. It just didn't, it just didn't grab me. But Shauna had, she really loved it. So, yes, I did. Shauna. <laughs> Did you want to say? Did you want to say well, anything mean, about Sarah it? Sarah <laughs> basically said a lot of everything of why I like it and the 
I was reading the back of the the second book, Trickster Drifter is what it's called. And there's a lot of uh, supernatural stuff in that one. So, which is interesting because I don't know, Rebecca, you and I, we've always been calling it magical realism. And this is the first time I've been, I've seen it addressed as supernatural. So I would be curious to see you know, would you be more interested in reading a book if it was classified as supernatural over magical realism? No, because I think it's still man. I mean, they you can call you can put lipstick on a pig, call it whatever you want to call it, and it's still the same thing. But no, I think it's. I mean, I think it's the same thing. I, I mean, it's something that's not of this world, right? Which is okay. supernatural, magic realism, whatever. And I, what I loved was the when the raven was talking to him. I think that's what it was. I I thought I want that to be the whole. Like I want that that raven to be throughout the book i loved the raven but it, it it didn't i think it was only like once or maybe twice where there's a little bit of it and then the rest of the stuff i have to laugh because the other day my sister who lives in washington state uh she went somewhere and they actually saw river otters and i told her i go oh my god i go i just have to tell you that for the rest of my life now i'm afraid of river otters i don't ever want to see any anywhere because it scared the baloney out of me in the book. So uh, I just thought that was so funny. And she's like, oh, they're so cute. They're, we love them. And I'm like, yeah, I'm afraid of them now. So anyway, but no, I, I, yeah, I, I liked certain aspects of it. And then some of it, yeah, was kind of scary, actually. You know, I, yeah, I, I, I see exactly what you're saying. I did find parts of the book dragged a little bit. I did think there was a lot of repetition of of storyline points in the book. One thing I really loved about it was I found that it was an emotional roller coaster and that that gets me every time with a book, you know, one minute you're completely appalled or you're so sad about, you know, Jared and his life and what he has to go through, but then the next minute he's taking care of his elderly neighbors and you're just so in love with him and you know, you just it's your heart is breaking and mending, you know, every, every couple of pages. And then you have, like you say, that horror element that comes in, you have his kind of grandmother who, you know, is, is so sweet. And you just think, okay, there's his safety net. But then, you know, then at the end happens and it's just, I found it a roller coaster the whole time where I kept wanting to, it kept pushing me forward through the parts that I did find a bit repetitive, you know, with, his mom is gone. Okay. He's, you know, he's alone. His mom is back and it, he, she's gone. He, she's back. It's just, maybe I could have done with a few, fewer of those instances, but yeah, I think because it took me on an emotional journey and I really liked that. Did you read about uh, how Eden Robinson wrote the book? Were you aware of how she did it? Not at all. Okay. So what, what it started out was it was going to be a short story and then she just kept, it kept, the story kept telling itself. So then it became, she said, well, I'll just have it be a novella. And then she got to the novella size and then she went, okay, I'll just make it a novel. And then she kept going and then it turned out to be three books. So she felt really, and that's one of the things I really personally love to know an author's process, because to me, what that tells me about that, those three books now is that she was compelled to tell Jared's story and she couldn't let it go. No matter how far she went, it needed to go further. And I love that about it. I love knowing when an author tells the story like that. So it makes me kind of want to get 
to the end of it, but I'm kind of famous for not finishing. Like I'll start a first book in a trilogy or whatever, a series, and I never make it all the way through. But I'm going to leave it up to you all to tell me if I need to get through book two and three. <laughs> it's on my to-be-read list. I don't know when I will get to it. I'm not going to get it and jump into it right away, but I'd be interested definitely in reading the next one. Yeah, and we, nobody quite knows yet when book three will come out because uh, my understanding is she has it written, but it just hasn't been, I don't think there are plans yet for a publication date. Well, and, you know, the ending of book one, there's just enough of a mystery that was like, oh, gosh, now I have to read the next one to figure out what actually happens. So <laughs> that's what's going to keep me reading is that tiny, tiny little bit of a seed of a mystery. Who is your favorite character in the book? My favorite character would be his neighbor's granddaughter. Is it Sarah? Is that her name? Yeah. I'm trying to quick look it up, but but I'm going to say, yeah, with, with the fireflies and why she's my favorite character is I think that she is also an interesting voice that we don't see too often. Did she identify herself as two-spirited when she first showed up in the book i think so she does question jared and talk about the concept of gender and how i think she mentioned she doesn't quite identify either way or she yeah yeah and with with our you know with first nations culture i here anyway i'm not i don't know much about first nations culture and society in the united states but you know, two-spirited is something that's, you know, well-respected and it's, it's something that I don't know a lot about. And I'm, I'm just starting to, to gain some information about it. And I really appreciate seeing that represented in this book. So I have to, I have to go with Sarah. I think she was complicated. I think she was troubled. I, I, I like that she's a voice that I haven't heard before. And I think, yeah, I think representation is important. Wow. Okay, Shauna, who was your favorite character? I don't remember. I don't think I've ever stated I had a favorite character from that book. Okay, well, now you're forced to since you asked Sarah, so now you have to. <laughs> Who's your favorite character, Shauna? <laughs> well, I've read, I've read two books since then, so I can't remember all the characters. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad. Um, Too bad. Now you have you to know, answer the I question. I have to say, <laughs> my heart was so broken by Nana Sophia you know, she was my, she was probably my favorite character until she walked out on Jared. And since it happens at the end of the book, I can say that she's still my favorite character. Wouldn't you love to read a prequel novella about her? Yeah, I would. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Rebecca? Wow. Well, for me, yeah, I mean, it's Jared because the thing about Jared is, and and I, in, during our podcast, I kind of quoted, there was a quote he made about, oh, I'm not going to remember now. I think there were a couple of quotes I might have read, but it's just the idea that it's, Sarah, it's kind of like you said, where there was this compassionate, loving side of him. Like he would go and he bathed the old, gen, you know, the old man that lived next door and everything. And he would take care of the old lady and as well. And, and just that compassionate heart. And he had no business having a compassionate heart being raised the way he had been raised. I mean, in a normal setting, probably he would not have been that loving and that caring towards other people, perhaps being raised kind of the way he was. And yet that's who he, 
that's who he was and that's why that's why the story's so compelling because he does break your heart over and over again his situation breaks your heart over and over again so i mean i loved i loved him and i that's one of the things i i why i thought i'd like the book is i do love young male protagonists because sometimes if they're solo characters they can have more in the of an emotional life than say if it's a group of boys and it's you know kind of boy culture and so i often really love like young male protagonists because an author can give them an emotional life that maybe we don't normally see when you just are around boys something like that so anyway so i he was mine my favorite i just want to give him a hug the whole time i was reading the book i know I know I did too. And I, and the thing is I have uh, four nephews and four great nephews. And so I've always just had a thing for boys because again, like I said, there's a period in their lives when they'll be very vulnerable and loving and you see that. And then as, as the world gets a hold of them, they often, you know, kind of can't maintain that emotional life sometimes. And so I just think there's something really sweet about you know, boys in literature that way. Well, I'm wondering if I can give you like first, I guess, impressions because I am only partway through small game hunting. Now, I guess very briefly, my husband is from Newfoundland and we visit there quite often. So, you know, I have have firsthand experience with life in Newfoundland, not the coast that this book takes place on in they're, they're, they're quite different. But anyway, I think this book will be my favorite. I think it's so beautifully written and I I feel like every single word was carefully and purposefully chosen. And that's, I guess that's all I really can say about that at this point, because I'm not very far into the story of it, but the actual writing of the book, I think it's incredibly beautiful and I really need good chunks of time to sit down and enjoy it. I loved it. And I, I kind of expected to love it, except the only thing that I kept reading about was pe- people kept saying it's hard to get started like it's a it's you have to kind of slog through it a little bit at the very beginning and so I I was telling Shauna I'm and in our podcast I thought I said I'm not sure if I struggled because everybody said they struggled and then I struggled or if I would have struggled anyway but so I will say in the very beginning it took me a little bit of time to jump in but once I got to I think it was page I I I quoted it in the podcast but I think it might have been page like 79 or something where um, one of the characters says something and Iris says something and it just blew me away. And it, I, from that moment, I, I was off and running with that book and I loved it. And I won't, since we just did the podcast, I won't go through all the details, but I will just say that for me, it just, I think it speaks to, I kind of said that I think women will know this book, whether you something happened to you or something happened to a woman that you know, or you've watched a lot of, you know, Dr. Phil or whatever, it's still going to be that these women's stories resonate and they're painful stories, but it's a beautiful, beautiful book. I loved it. Now was your struggle content driven or was it dialect? I see. I, that's what I was saying. I think it might've been dialect in the sense that I was saying in our podcast that for us, like if you, if I read a book that was written in the American South, I would be able to hear that voice in my head. But because I don't know the Newfoundland accent, for me, 
I kind of thought maybe it's because I can't get, everybody kept talking about, oh, once I got into the book, the rhythm came through. And I thought, well, it's a rhythm I don't know because I don't know that accent. And so I think I might've struggled a little bit with that. Now, Shauna, which I won't, I'll, I'll let her speak for herself, but she talked about the fact that there were no quotation marks. That didn't bother me. I, I didn't need them. And I felt like I always knew who was talking. Here, when Shauna said that, I said, oh, there weren't quotation marks. And then I went back and looked and went, oh, there aren't. And so that part didn't bother me, but I just kind of felt like, and, and, and then I did say in the podcast too, that once I heard Megan Gales Cole talk, a couple of times I listened to some interviews with her, I thought, oh, now I get the accent, very strong accent. And I thought, okay, that, that's that sound that everyone else is hearing that I'm not, because I, I don't know it that well. But again, if it was American South, I totally would, it would resonate with me. You know what I mean? And it's not, it's not an accent you hear in pop culture. So I would, I would know the American South because, you know, we, it's in movies. It's everywhere. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The Newfoundland accent is not, I, I'm, I'm comfortable with it because I hear it every day from my husband, but <laughs> yeah, that's, I was really excited to hear your opinion on that being from the States. And then Shauna had a different take completely. <laughs> Yeah, I wasn't in too impressed with it. Uh, I mean, I can I can agree with with uh, Rebecca's viewpoint of you know this book is about several different types of women, and we've all gone through some of us have gone through a a lot of those experiences. And I mean, yes, I can say, I mean, I enjoyed the stream of consciousness, but soon it got to be a little repetitive for me. So I was just like, okay, yep, I already know that you're you're feeling pretty down about this. I don't need to hear about it for two thirds of a book before you decide to make a decision about what to do. So uh, I had a little bit of trouble with it in that regard. But and then the quotation thing, like it's to me, there's a difference between narrative and dialogue in that there's a transition between the two. So when you're reading, you have to, your brain needs the punctuation marks to know the difference between that transition. So you can, I don't know, give voice to reason or give voice to the character. And I don't feel like the author was able to give a, like a out loud speaking voice to these characters simply because um, the punctuation wasn't there. So when you get to the near the end and you have three people in a discussion, it's like, okay, now you have to follow along to what they're saying in regards to, you know, buddy, I blah, 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 this. And it's like, no, Jack, you should have done that. And it's like, yes, uh, Cynthia, we all know that this is going to occur. It's like that you had to make sure you say the person's name in order to know who you're talking to and who it's coming from, instead of being like, okay, here's some quotation marks. But see, but, okay, but here's what I have to say about that. Cause I, and we won't give, we will have no spoilers for you, Sarah, at all, but I will say this. So yeah, she didn't use any names or anything, but what I will say is when there were multiple voices talking at the same time, I didn't have any trouble with who was saying what, because it was the, it was actually what they were saying, and it it rang so true in terms of why they would have said what they said. And so for me, I didn't I didn't even have to go back and go, wait a minute, who said what? What? It was just I just thought she nailed her character so well. And 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 as I said, some of the quotes, there were some quotes that stood out for me that just knocked my socks off, and I just thought. Man, these are things I don't want to forget. And I do want to, now that I know how 
the whole story goes, I want to go back and reread it because I want knowing at the beginning how it ends, I kind of want to go back and go, oh, okay, now I can see how we got there. You know what I mean? So that's a book. And I don't usually reread books, but that's one I want to reread. It's kind of, I feel not as strong about this one, but I feel very similar about this one that I did, did for Suzanne last year, which ended up being my favorite book I read last year for Canada Reads was Suzanne. I loved it so much. Um, and so, and, and that was third person, which I did not want to read. And so I think both of those, you know, like Suzanne and then uh, Small Game Hunting, I think there was such an emotional, poetic way to tell those stories. And I don't know that everybody can can grasp it. You know what I mean? Both of those books, because they weren't they weren't going to be light reads. Let's put it that way. So I'm excited to hear, Sarah, what you think when you get to uh, through the books. Definitely. Let's chat again online and let's talk about it so we can uh, have you back and and hear and hear your take on that. Yeah, you both made me really excited to go grab it and jump back in. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. Well, I think that we've probably talked as much as we can about the two that you've read so far. We look forward to having you back for the other three. So thank you so much for joining us today. And we hope that you had fun and that you'll come back and, and uh, talk with us again. Absolutely. I can't wait. Thanks so much again for having me. This was great. And to our listeners, if you'd like us to continue providing great content like this, please rate, review, like, share, comment, and tell all your friends about Canada Reads American Style. Bye.